0: Good morning, everyone. And once again, a very happy Father's Day to all the dads out here. May God bless you abundantly today. It is certainly special to me. My daughter Priscilla is here with us this morning, and it is great to see you. God bless you. And it is also wonderful to see you here, Chris. God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to be here with us. We hope that this Father's Day is also a blessed one for you. And as you know, we are. In the current message series on the life of Joseph the life of Joseph and the sovereignty of God as we begin I would ask you if someone were to ask you what is the sovereignty of God what would you say how would you respond if someone were to ask you as we are talking about the life of Joseph and the sovereignty of God What does it mean that God is sovereign? Sovereignty means supreme power and authority, especially in reference to the sovereignty of God. God has the supreme power and authority because God controls all things in the universe. Nothing happens outside the Lord's purview. Everything happens in a way or another according to God's permission. And whatever God determines to do, he does it. And no one can impede, no one can frustrate the plans of God because God is sovereign. This morning we are going to see once again as we continue in this series, the sovereignty of God being present and manifested clearly in the life of Joseph. Our focus today will be on Genesis chapter 41. The entire chapter has 57 verses, but we will begin by reading verses 1 through 3. So 1 through 13, that is. So if you are able, let us all stand in the presence of God for the reading of God's word in Genesis chapter 41, verses 1 through 13 Where the Bible says, now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he was standing by the Nile. And lo, from the Nile there came up seven cows, sleek and fat. And they grazed in the marsh grass. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them from the Nile, ugly and gaunt. And they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. The ugly and gaunt cows. Cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke, and he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven ears thin and scorched by the east wind sprouted up after them. The thin ear swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. Then Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Now, in the morning, his spirit was troubled, so he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I will make mention today of my own offenses. Pharaoh was furious with his servants and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker. We had a dream on the same night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now, a Hebrew youth was with us there. Let us read this final verses together. A servant of the captain of the bodyguard. And we related them to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one he interpreted according to his own dream. And just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me in my office, but he hanged him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. And we are indeed thankful in our hearts, grateful for your word, for calling us here once again to be here in your presence, to hear from your holy scriptures. We pray that... Your word would minister to our hearts mightily as we continue to study about the sovereignty that you have, O God, as it is displayed through the testimony and the life of Joseph. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Based on all the verses of Genesis chapter 41, our message title for today is All in God's Time. All in God's Time. The Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 3 there is an appointed time for everything and there is a time for every event under heaven. Did you know that the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 2 verse 21 that God has control over all the events in the world? To the point that he himself he fixed the times and the seasons for every single event in the world. God is sovereign. And the Lord exercises the same sovereignty over your life as a believer in God. The Bible tells us in Proverbs in Psalm chapter Psalm 31 verse 15 that your times are in God's hand. That your times, your future belong to the Lord. You may not always understand how the sovereignty of God is being manifested in your life and the things that the Lord is allowing to happen. The times and the seasons that the Lord is allowing to come to your life. You might be even facing, even as we speak, a season of sickness or marital difficulties or financial problems, but rest assured that the Lord is the one who has the final word according to his sovereign purposes, according to his power and authority. The Bible tells us in the very last verse here in Ecclesiastes 3 that God will judge the righteous and the wicked since there is a time for every activity and every deed. For every time that the Lord sets according to his sovereign purposes, he is also the one who will have the final word. He is the one who has the final word over all your circumstances. Even though at times you may not understand everything that is happening in your life, but it is clear that the sovereignty of God, he He is supreme, he is sovereign, he controls all things according to the times determined by God. And we'll see that clearly, as I mentioned, through the testimony of Joseph, through the events in his life. We will see that in God's time, the Lord allowed for Joseph a time for suffering. The Lord set specifically a time for suffering. As we read it in verse 1, now it happened at the end of two full years. As you know Joseph had been in prison unjustly for over 2 years. But this verse has to do with what we learned last week from Paul Johnson as he talked to us about Genesis chapter 40 when Joseph received interpretation from God for the dream that the cupbearer that the cupbearer had dreamed. He had been 2 years since he blessed the cupbearer with that interpretation. But we know that Joseph had been in prison even before that. We know that he was betrayed by his own brothers and he was sold into slavery at the age of 17. And it is not until this chapter in Genesis chapter 41 as we will see that he is released from prison at the age of 30. He was sold as a slave at the age of 17. He was released from prison at the age of 30. That's a 13 year period. Of course, we don't know exactly because the Bible does not specify, we do not know exactly for how long, for how many of those 13 years Joseph was in prison. But incredibly, Jewish tradition tells us that Joseph was in prison for 12 of those 13 years. It may seem amazing to us that God allowed an innocent servant of his, an innocent man unjustly accused to remain in prison for all that time, But the reality it is, without God's intervention, according to his sovereign plans, most likely Joseph would have stayed in that prison for the rest of his life. Clearly, God was the one who allowed the time for suffering in Joseph's life. He was the one who had determined that those times should happen in his servant's life. But the question is, for what purpose the Lord determined that Joseph should go through that time for suffering? Scripture is clear in telling us that suffering comes to test our faith. Every period for suffering that the Lord allows to come into my life, into your life, as he did in Joseph's life, was for our faith to be tested, for our faith in him to be tested. It is clear that suffering has a revealing effect in every person's life. Through suffering you either abandon your spiritual walk completely or through suffering, your faith becomes stronger despite the suffering. But the reality it is that suffering does not allow you to remain the same. You either regress or you progress. I repeat, suffering does not allow you to remain the same. You either regress or you progress. And the Lord Jesus, in the parable of the soils, he speaks of this defining effect, this revealing effect that the times for suffering, they occupy in the lives of every believer as he did in the life of Joseph. The Lord tells us in Luke chapter eight, those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, but in the time of temptation, they regress. They backslide, they fall away. These are the ones who regress. When the times of suffering come, they abandon the faith. But the Bible tells us in James, in chapter 1, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. These are not the ones who regress. These are the ones who progress. In the face of suffering, they continue to remain firm in their confidence in their faith before the Lord. These are the ones whose faith becomes stronger despite the suffering. God had allowed the time for suffering in Joseph's life for his faith to be tested. And you may ask, how do we know that? Because the Bible specifically tells us so. In Psalm 105, the Bible says, God had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a, in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. God allowed the time for suffering in Joseph's life despite the fact that he was unjustly placed in that prison. In terrible conditions, in torturous conditions, he's ankles were putting shackles, the Bible tells us that his feet were hurting because of those chains. The Bible says that like a caged animal, he was placed with collars of iron on his neck. But the Bible tells us that until what he had said came to pass, until the time for him to give the interpretation of those dreams as we'll see in this chapter, the word of the Lord tested him. In your time for suffering, because the same God who allowed the time for suffering in Joseph's life is the same God who allows the time for suffering in my life and in your life with the same purposes. In your time of suffering, are you regressing or are you progressing? God knew that by the grace that he would place upon Joseph's life according to his sovereign purposes, Joseph would be counted not among those who regress, But Joseph would receive the strength of the Lord so that the plans of God would be fulfilled through him. And he was proven to be someone who grew in his faith despite the time for suffering and he progressed before the Lord. The same God who allotted a time for suffering in his life, it is the same God who also set a time for his deliverance. God allowed a time for suffering to come, but he also determined a time for deliverance to happen as well. The Bible tells us, as we read in verse 1, Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. Then Pharaoh awoke, and he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. According to the sovereign purposes of God, when the time for Joseph's circumstances to change came, when the time for his suffering to come to an end, God gave two dreams to Pharaoh. But I want you to notice that Pharaoh was not a true believer. Pharaoh was a pagan man. He did not believe in the true God. In fact, for the Egyptians, Pharaohs were considered gods on earth. They were considered to be intermediaries between the gods and the people. Yet God, according to his wisdom... And according to his sovereign plans, he chose to give supernatural revelation to a pagan man. And so is the wisdom of God. Because through that, the plans of the Lord will be fulfilled. God gave him two dreams. And we see that throughout the Bible. In fact, the Bible records 21 dreams that God gave as it is recorded in the scriptures. Six of them are in the New Testament, all in the Gospel of Matthew. Then three of them are in the book of Daniel. Then one is in 1 Kings. Then one is in the book of Judges. And then you have 10 dreams in this book, the book of Genesis. And did you know that most of them God gave supernatural revelation to an unbeliever? Who can understand the wisdom of God? Who can fathom the ways that the Lord pursues for the complete fulfillment of his sovereign plans? God gave that supernatural revelation to Pharaoh so that he could raise up Joseph according to his plans to interpret those dreams. And through those events, he would bless Joseph's father, Jacob, and the people of Israel. So that according to that blessing, in fulfillment of the covenant that the Lord had set with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he would bless their descendants in such a way that through them... The promised Messiah would be born, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it all came through two dreams with supernatural revelation that God was given to a pagan man. Today, we know that in those times, God indeed gave supernatural revelation through dreams and visions and signs and prophecies. But today, our only source of supernatural revelation resides for us in the pages of the Scripture. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 that in the past God did so, speaking through the prophets in many times, in many seasons, in many ways, but today he has spoken to us through the Son, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through the supernatural revelation contained in the pages of the scripture. But in the past it behooved God, it approved the Spirit of God to give revelation in that manner to that man so that his plans would be able to be fulfilled through the life of Joseph. And so it was that God gave Pharaoh two dreams, as we read. In the first dream, he saw coming out of the Nile River seven cows who were skinny and ugly, and they ate the previous seven cows who were healthy, who were good in appearance. And after that, he woke up. He fell asleep again. And he has a second dream with supernatural revelation given by God, in which he sees seven stalks of grain, ears of grain, that were scorched by the sun, but they somehow swallowed up the other seven previous ears of grain that were plump and good. God gave that revelation through those two dreams to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, when he wakes up, the Bible tells us that he was distressed in his spirit. He was disturbed, because in those times, ancient civilizations believed that dreams could carry supernatural messages. And in this instance, as we know, it truly did, because those dreams came from God. But I want you to notice this. In his distress, Pharaoh, he looked for someone to interpret those dreams. He called for all the magicians of Egypt. He called for all the wise men of Egypt. And when they came, none of them could interpret those dreams because that was the plan of God. Because that was how the Lord would begin the time for Joseph's deliverance. God had already determined that only Joseph would be used by him for the interpretation of those dreams. But I want you to notice this. Up until that moment, Joseph didn't know anything about it. Joseph was still languishing inside that dungeon, inside that prison unjustly. And yet the Lord was already working in the background. The time for his deliverance was already in motion. And Joseph was completely unaware of it. Brothers and sisters, I believe the message for us is in the fact that despite what your eyes may see, hold on. Despite the times for suffering that the Lord may be allowing to have come into your life, hold on to your faith before him. Because you don't know what God is working on the background as Joseph didn't know at that moment. You don't know what God has already set into motion for the time for your deliverance to come. But it is always important for us to remember the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 in verse 7. Where the Bible tells us that we as the servants of God, the believers of God, we must live by faith and not by sight. Especially in the days in which we are living, we must not live by what our natural eyes are seeing. But we must contemplate life according to the eyes of faith. If your source of peace and joy comes from what your eyes see in the six o'clock news, hmm, my friend, you are in big trouble. You and I must have the ability, the spiritual perspective to understand that our eyes must behold the Lord in all his glory, and all his sovereignty, and despite what our natural eyes may be seeing, just like Joseph was able to trust in what the Lord was doing, let us also believe in the same matter, that the... Let us also believe in the same manner that the Lord is the one working on our behalf. The Bible tells us that the chief cupbearer finally spoke to Pharaoh and no one could interpret those dreams. And he said, I will make mention today of my own offenses. I will make mention today of my own offenses. As you remember from last week's message that Joseph had interpreted the the cupbearer's dream. And when he had done so by the grace of God, he asked the cupbearer this, only keep me in mind when it goes well with you and please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. When the chief cupbearer says to Pharaoh, I will make mention today, of my own offenses, that today was two years later. In his sovereignty, couldn't God have reminded the cupbearer after two days instead of two years? Couldn't the Lord have given those supernatural dreams to Pharaoh immediately after Joseph was placed unjustly in prison as an innocent man? Yes, he could, but he didn't. According to the supreme and superior wisdom of God and the plans that he had for Joseph's life, it approved for the Lord for Joseph to spend those two additional years of misery in prison. Because way, somehow, according to the wisdom of God, those two additional years were shackles on his feet, hurting his feet with a collar of iron around his neck, living like an animal inside that dungeon, it was profitable for Joseph's spiritual life. You can sense two years before when Joseph was making that request before the cupbearer when he said, please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. You sensed the sense of urgency in his voice. I can imagine how the following day after Joseph spoke to the cupbearer, how he may have expected a knock on the door of that dungeon saying, Joseph, you are free. And perhaps the same sense of expectation after a week, and perhaps even after several weeks. But I believe that when Joseph saw the months had already passed, the sense of disappointment in the fact that the cupbearer had indeed forgotten him completely. Each and every one of us may have already come to the same situation as Joseph was. When I believe Joseph at that moment, he cried out to God, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? As we have seen throughout the ages, the testimony of many saints in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, you see the testimony of Habakkuk, for instance, in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2, where he says, how long, O Lord, will I call for help in you not hear?" here? Or the testimony of King David in Psalm 13, verse 1, where he says, How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? Will you hide your face from me forever? And perhaps even each and every one of you, depending on the phase, that, the time that God is allowing you to go through as you navigate through the life that the Lord is allowing you to have, perhaps you are the one who are crying out to God right now, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord, until the time for suffering ends and the time for my deliverance comes? But I'll tell you one thing, my brother and sister, God is never early, but he is never late either. All things, they happen according to God's time. In his perfect timing, the same way that the Lord worked on Joseph's behalf, the Lord, when he declares, when he decrees, according to his sovereignty, for the time for your deliverance to appear, for the time of your deliverance to happen, nothing will be able to frustrate those plans. And so it was, the time then came, but we must remember in our own experience that the ways of the Lord are not our ways. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. A promise from God cannot be broken, and this is a promise from him, that in the times for suffering, God will allow you, as he did for Joseph, that you would have a way of escape. But just remember, as God says, the way of escape that comes from God, it's not the escape out of the suffering, but it is the escape that allows you to endure through the suffering. God will strengthen your faith. God will strengthen you during those conditions so that his name will be glorified in his life for the faith that you show before him. The Bible says that the cupbearer told Pharaoh that Joseph had interpreted his dreams. And then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph. And they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. The time for deliverance had finally come. The time for him to be set free from that unjust prison was finally there. And you notice that the Bible tells us that Joseph was told to shave himself, to shave his hair, to shave his beard. Among the Jews, the beard was a badge of the dignity of manhood. Jewish men would wear long beards in obedience to Leviticus chapter 19 verse 27. But among the Egyptians, all men should have very short hair and no beard at all. And even that was already a blessing at the time for Joseph's deliverance because in any other circumstance, in any other locale, he would have been allowed to stay in those filthy and dirty clothes in the same condition that he was before. But simply the fact that he was allowed to shave, to groom himself was already the appearance of the times for deliverance in his life, a blessing that God would not deny it, even in the smallest of details. The time for deliverance had come. And the Bible says, as the time for deliverance came, so we came a time for testimony. When the Lord allows for you to go through a time of suffering in this life, when the Lord brings the time for deliverance, when the deliverance from God finally comes, brother and sister, I'll tell you. After the Lord brings you the time for deliverance, you always have a glorious testimony to share for the glory of God. We must never fail after we have gone through the time for suffering when the Lord finally brings the time for deliverance. Always note that the Lord will always give you the opportunity to have a time for testimony. You will be able to always glorify God for what the Lord is doing in your life, for what the Lord has already done. The time for testimony finally came, and the Bible says, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, but no one can interpret it, and I have heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph then answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Can you believe it? After all that suffering, Joseph should have been a broken man. But the grace of God was with him. But the presence of God was with him. As we read, God was indeed with Joseph. And despite all that he had gone through, the first things that come out of Joseph's life when he's finally released from that prison is his testimony for the glory of God. It's not in me, but God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. The Bible tells us, now Joseph said to Pharaoh after Pharaoh told him his dreams, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told to Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven cows and the seven good ears are seven years. The seven lean and ugly cows and the seven thin ears will be seven years of famine. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming. And after seven years of famine will come. And the famine will ravage the land. Now, as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God and God will quickly bring it about. That final verse, that verse 32 is the key verse in this entire passage for Genesis chapter 41. It points undoubtedly to the sovereignty of God. Everything that was happening from beginning to the end was according to the plans that God had already purposed in his heart to do. It had been determined by God. And I want you to notice that not only this points to the sovereignty of God in what the Lord had determined to do, it also says, and God will quickly bring it about. Everything happens according to the timing of God. God allowed the time for suffering in Joseph's life to finally come to an end and for the time for his deliverance, and the time for his testimony to begin, just in time for the seven years of abundance to begin, just in time for the fulfillment of the dreams that God had given to Pharaoh to begin, all in God's time. The Bible tells us that not only Joseph interpreted the dream, but he was also given a word of wisdom in what Pharaoh should do. He says, now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in in charge of the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. According to the wisdom that God was given to Joseph, he proposed a plan to Pharaoh and all his servants that he should choose a discerning and wise man who will be in charge of this matter. And he said, during the seven years of abundance, let him exact a fifth of the produce. Joseph's plan was during the years of abundance, whatever it is that the land would produce, that they should save 20%. If they were to receive 100 years of grain, they could use 80 years of grain during the times of abundance, but 20 years of grain would be saved in storage. And so he continues to say, then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain for food and let them guard it. Let the food become as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which will occur in the land of Egypt so that the land will not perish during the famine. Obviously that word of wisdom came from God. Until the age of 17, Joseph was just a boy working as the shepherd of sheep. And from the age of 17, when his own brothers sold him as a slave, he was living in prison or at least in some kind of detention without having any experience with natural disasters or with famines. But that word came from God, the same God who had given him the interpretation of those dreams through supernatural wisdom. God was with him and gave him supernatural wisdom in what he should propose to Pharaoh as well. And so he was. The Pharaoh answered in response to what Joseph was proposing. Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? Can we find a man like this in whom there is a divine spirit? The testimony of Joseph. When the time for testimony came, the testimony of Joseph could not be denied. No one could deny that the hand of God was upon him. And God opened the heart of Pharaoh for him to understand that God was the one working through all things in Joseph's life. God opened Pharaoh's heart and opened his understanding so that he could see that Joseph was being used by God. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 21 verse one, the king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases, according to the sovereignty of God, who has control over all things, who fulfills all of his plans, and no one can thwart it, no one can frustrate it. The Bible tells us that God showed Pharaoh that he was in Joseph's life. The testimony of Joseph could not be denied. Even though Joseph had simply mentioned the name of God to Pharaoh, the presence of God in Joseph's life was an undeniable testimony in front of all those unbelievers. The testimony of your life that matters the most is your testimony in front of unbelievers. It is easy to act godly inside the church. It is easy to sing, to clap our hands, to smile and to say, praise the Lord, brothers, to other Christians. But hypocrites do that as well. What matters the most is how you represent Christ in the world. How you open your mouth and what comes out of it in front of unbelievers. How you behave in front of unbelievers according to the words of the apostle in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. In verse 20, where the Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ. We are representatives of Christ. An ambassador cannot be an ambassador inside his own country. If an ambassador of the United States is an ambassador in a different country, his office, his work will be in that foreign country. We are an ambassador for Christ. Our testimony within the church certainly it is important for the glory of God. But as an ambassador of Christ, what matters the most is how you testify and what is your testimony in front of unbelievers outside the church. If people in your workplace or in your neighborhood were to hear that you're a Christian, would they start laughing? Or would they say, Oh no, we know he is a Christian, we know she's a believer. What is your testimony outside the church in the world? The testimony of Joseph could not be denied. Because the spirit of God was with him. And the blessing of God was over his life. And so he came a time for prosperity. Now trust me, I'm not turning the message into the false claims of the prosperity gospel here. What I want you to understand is that in the same way that God was working through Joseph's life following that blueprint, God may also work in your life in the very same way. He will allow, as we know through scripture, a time for suffering to come in your life to test your faith. And according to the sovereign purposes of God, he will set a time for deliverance for your life, even if that deliverance will come only in heaven. And he will allow then a time for your testimony through which you are going to glorify the Lord for the blessing that the Lord has finally sent to your life to deliver you from those times of suffering. And then the Lord will give you a time for prosperity, spiritual prosperity that is because you will grow through that experience that the Lord will have allowed in your life. You will grow and you will prosper in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that all in his time, in due time, he may exalt you, he may make you prosper. Joseph's experience was unique to him Because not only the Lord had determined through his sovereign purposes to bless Joseph, to make him prosperous spiritually, but the Lord also wanted him to be prosperous materially. Because through his riches, the Lord would also fulfill his plans. The Bible tells us that through the material blessings that God, that material prosperity that the Lord was given to Joseph... He would be able to then provide to his father, Jacob, and to those coming to him from Egypt as they were going to come to the land of Egypt during the years of famine. And it was important according to the plans of God for him to be prosperous materially as well. But there was an experience that was peculiar to Joseph. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 50, as for you, as Joseph said to his own brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. Joseph understood that that time of not only spiritual perspective, after the time of his deliverance, after the time for his testimony, that God was giving him a time for prosperity that was not only spiritual speaking, spiritually in nature, but it was also material because God had a plan to fulfill for the blessings of Jacob and Israel and for the fulfillment of the covenant, the promises of the covenant that God had made to them. The Bible tells us when Pharaoh heard the proposal from Joseph, Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house only in the throne I will be greater than you and so it was when the time for prosperity came joseph went from slave to superior from the prison to the palace from the dungeon to a dignitary all according to the purposes of god joseph is said to be an illustration of christ some see joseph as a type of christ but the new testament does not mention joseph as a type of christ I believe Joseph is an illustration of Christ in the fact that like Jesus, Joseph was exalted after his suffering. And like Jesus, Joseph began his public recognition at the age of 30. But what is most important for us to understand from the story of Joseph, as we said, and it is the title of this series, the sovereignty of God is the focus overall. The faithfulness of God Despite all that had happened in Joseph's life, we can see that the Lord had planned it all according to his purposes so that in the end, his name will be glorified through everything that had happened in his life. And as we saw, the Lord would indeed be faithful in the fulfillment of his covenant. The Bible tells us, then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed them in garments of fine linen, and put the gold necklace around his neck. He had him ride his second chariot, and they proclaimed before him, "Bow the knee, the blessings that the Lord made to come upon Joseph's life. Pharaoh took his signet ring, meaning that all the authority that Pharaoh had would be placed on Joseph's life. He would have the authority to sign documents on behalf of Pharaoh. The Bible says that he received a gold necklace, a sign of royalty, of the position that he was assuming. He had him riding his second chariot, and they proclaimed before him bow the knee. People would have to pay homage to Joseph, and he would, and people would declare honor to his name. But the Bible also tells us that Joseph was clothed in garments of fine linen. God's hand was with Joseph. Because as you remember, at a young age, his father Jacob gave him garments that were very impressive, a multicolored tunic. However, his own brothers betrayed Joseph and removed that multicolored tunic from him and sold them as a slave. And so Joseph lost his garments, impressive of multicolored tunic, and he received the garments of a prisoner, of a slave. But God was with Joseph. And even being sold as a slave, he received special garments. And even though he was in the house of Potiphar, in the house of the captain, the master's own wife betrayed him and he was betrayed once again. And she removed his special garments. And so Joseph became a prisoner and he received the garments of a prisoner. But the hand of God was with Joseph. And now finally, He receives a different garment. He received the garments of the ruler of Egypt. And those garments, no one would remove from him because that was the plan of God. Likewise, we too, all of us in Christ Jesus, we have received special garments that cannot be removed. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 61, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with the robe of righteousness. Those are the clothes we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. This is the message of the gospel, that when we repent of our sins, that when we recognize our faults, our errors before God Almighty, And we are convicted of those faults when we confess them before the Lord. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was the one who came on this earth to die for us, for our sins, for all of our faults. And when we ask God for forgiveness, the salvation of God comes to our lives, bringing garments of salvation. If you have never received Christ as your Savior, this plan is for you as well. While there is still time, repent of your sins and receive Christ as your Savior. And he will give you the garments of salvation that no one can remove. Joseph was made to be the second in command in the land of Egypt. In our modern language, it would be as though Pharaoh was the president and Joseph became the vice president of the country. Such was his rise to power. The Lord gave him that promotion. The Lord gave him that time of prosperity according to his plans. And the Bible says, during the seven years of plenty, the land brought forth abundantly. So he gathered all the food of these seven years. Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he stopped measuring it. For it was beyond measure. It was indeed a time of prosperity that exactly as God had revealed to to Joseph and he had spoken to Pharaoh when the time for abundance came, there was abundance indeed, that he had to stop measuring all that he was able to save. And the Bible says, after this came a time for consolation. God was being faithful to the end. It all began with a time for suffering, but it always ends when our lives are in the hands of God with a time for consolation. The Bible says, now before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Joseph named the first Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Manasseh loosely translated means forgetful, or what causes to forget. He was saying that God was the one who blessed his life to forget about all his afflictions. And he said, to forget all my trouble and to forget all of my father's household. What that means is that during the years in which he was in prison, certainly it is understandable that Joseph was homesick, that he was missing the comforts that he had in his father's house. But now that God was blessing him with a consolation that only God can provide, he said, God has made me forget all my father's household because now I have the consolation that comes from God. Brothers and sisters, we must always understand that the plans of God for us are always for us to move forward according to what he has planned for each and every one of us. We must never say during the times of suffering, during the present times of any tribulation that you may be going through in your life is to say, Oh God, what happened in the past was so much better than what I'm going through right now. I had, I had a so much better in the past, a month ago, a year ago, a decade ago. But the Bible tells me and you this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, the Bible says, do not say, why were the old days better than this? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Because God is the one who is working all things for good in your life. God is the one who is molding you according to the image of Christ. Everything that the Lord in his sovereignty is allowing to happen in your life, as he allowed to happen in Joseph's life, was to mold you according to the plan that he has for you to become more and more like Christ, his son. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 and 14 that we must forget what happened. We must forget what lies behind and we must proceed toward the goal of our calling in Christ Jesus our Lord. The best is yet to come because your life is in the hand of God. The Bible says that he also had a second son and he named the second son Ephraim for he said God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Manasseh meant meant forgetful but he named his second son Ephraim which means fruitful the lesson for us is that the same God who made Joseph fruitful in the midst of his suffering is the God who works in your life as well from your trials God is faithful to bring fruit even out of your affliction have you thought about that that the Lord is allowing this time in your life for you to be fruitful with a tremendous testimony as what the Lord can do through you and when the seven years of plenty came, and when the seven years of plenty, plenty which had been in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, just as Joseph had said, then there was famine in all the lands. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, you shall do. And the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. And the people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the earth. Everything that God had revealed came to fulfillment. The seven years of abundance happened in which 20% of all the produce was saved. And when the seven years of famine came, Joseph had prepared them according to the plans of God so that Egypt was the only place where food was available. And the Bible says people from all the earth was coming to Egypt. And as you are going to see next week, those people from all the earth that would come to Egypt during the times of famine would include none other than Jacob himself, Joseph's father, with those brothers who had betrayed him. They would come there. According to the promise of God, according to the sovereign plans of God, to preserve the lives of many and to the fulfillment of his covenant, they will be provided for so that they will not perish. And through them, the promised Messiah would indeed come. Brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 15, whatever was written in earlier times, whatever is written for us in the Old Testament, was written for us for our instruction. So that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The same sovereign God who worked in Joseph's life is the same sovereign God who works in your life and is in your life through his Holy Spirit. The Bible has provided for us in the experience that Joseph had, what God may do in your life according to his time, a a blueprint of what the Lord works in the in the lives of his servants it is a certain thing that for each and every one of us for what for as long as we are on this earth god will allow a time for suffering to come to us to test us but he is the same god who always set a time for our deliverance and the god will and god will give you a time for your testimony for you to glorify the lord and never fail to Praise him for when the blessing comes. And the Lord will indeed make you prosper, spiritually prosper, that is, when the blessing comes. And oh, what a consolation, what comfort it is when the blessing of the Lord comes upon our lives. The plans of God were all fulfilled. Despite the fact that he began with all that suffering in Joseph's life, the plans of God were fulfilled, and he came with a great time of consolation. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your sovereign plans for each and every one of us in Christ. We thank you, Lord, for nothing can impede the fulfillment of your plans in our lives. And we praise you, Father, for the testimony that we receive through Joseph's experience, through which we can clearly see your sovereign power, that you are the supreme being with all the power and authority there is. We thank you, Father, for your sovereign plans for your church, for each and every one who has placed faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior. And I pray, Lord, that those who are going through a time of suffering as we speak, that your Holy Spirit would minister to them and comfort them, knowing that their lives are in your hands. Let us see things according to the eyes of faith and not according to what our natural eyes can see. Bless us now, we pray, Lord. And bless us to come next week, O Lord, as we see the continuation of your plans when Joseph's father and the people of Israel began to be even more blessed during those times of famine. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.
1: Well, as I often say, Same message, different messenger. And God's will for our lives is that we will follow him in his sovereignty. It is nothing that is too good or too bad for our God because he fulfills all. And has been said by Brother Gilson that he has a plan for our life. And that plan shall come to fruition. He talked about a time for suffering. A time of deliverance. A time of testimony. A time for prosperity, spiritual that is. And also a time for consolation. Only our God can do that. And only God has the plan for everyone's life. Not only the believer, but also the unbeliever. And as Pastor Gilson had also told us that our life is great inside the church, but more importantly, what we do outside the church. As often been said by many people, we might be the only Bible they may read that day. So it's up to us as Christians to live a life that is worthy of the call that we have upon our lives. Amen? And we understand that the sovereignty of God, it cannot be stopped. He works through people to make his purpose and his will come true. Just like he did in Joseph's life, he will do in our lives. Amen? And we know that God, in spite of what we see in the world today, as has been pointed out, he utilizes these men specifically. He puts people into government for a specific purpose. He takes them out of government. So what should we do? We rely on God. We believe God. We trust God. As been told to us this morning, we don't get our information from the 6 o'clock news. Or we may have that information, but we rely totally on God and his sovereignty to bring his will to fruition. Amen? We would like to open up the doors of our church to give individuals who have never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, an opportunity to come to know him and become one of his children, that you may be involved and have be the recipient of these things that were talked about this morning. So as I'm praying, Christians pray, it may be someone in this congregation or it might be one of your loved ones or a friend at work, a neighbor whomever it may be. Keep that in mind as we pray. Let us pray. Our Father, our God, we humbly come before thy throne of grace and mercy, Lord. We know, O God, that you are here with us this morning because you live within us, O God. And we know, Heavenly Father, that it is your sovereignty that cannot be stopped because we know that your will and your purpose shall be done. We know as Christians, O Heavenly Father, we we don't live by sight, O God, but we live by faith, and that faith is in you. And we're asking this morning, O Heavenly Father, that there may be one person here this morning that may come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior by repenting of their sin turning away from their sin and turning to you. And if they could just say a very simple prayer such as this, Lord God, I know now that I'm a sinner. I know, God, that Jesus Christ has paid the price for my sin upon the cross of Calvary. And I accept him this morning as my personal savior. I accept what he did for me upon the cross, and I want to become one of your children, a king's kid. And I thank you this morning, Lord, for my salvation, and ask that you come reside in me by the power of your Holy Spirit. And if you said that prayer this morning, I'll be standing up front to welcome you into the kingdom, or you can. Speak to someone else and just let them know that today you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. What a blessing to have on the Father's Day. Father God, we now, O Lord, we turn our hearts to thee. And we ask, O Heavenly Father, that you would humble us that we may be only exalted by thee. O God, assist us in what we need to know about you more and more and more as we see the day approaching. Give us a mindset, O Heavenly Father, to set our hearts and minds toward thee like a flint, that we would love you as we have been loved, and that we will show others, O Heavenly Father, the love, O God. And we thank you for Joseph, O Heavenly Father, who is one example in the Bible, O God, that was able to be tested by thee, but come through, O Heavenly Father, because of his faith in thee. So, fathers, we leave this place, O oh God, we pray for all fathers. And we ask, O oh, Heavenly Father, that this day should be a very special day, that we may guard these things in our heart and, and to ponder them in our hearts, O oh, Heavenly Father, to think about them, that these are examples for us in which we are to need to follow. And as we follow them, O oh, Heavenly Father, we pray, O oh God, we will become better Christians. So, Father, we ask that you bring us together on Thursday for your series, O oh, Heavenly Father, in the book of Romans in chapter 12. We ask for your safety, we ask for your grace and your mercy. And, Father God, if someone desires prayer, I'll be standing up front for that purpose. So, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we do love you, Lord. In Christ's name, we pray. And the church said, amen.